Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. This episode is from a sermon J.P. Conway preached on January 26th, 2020. The sermon was on Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 23. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, church. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 today. If you want to turn there in your Bible. The reading is also uh, inside the bulletin if you want to turn there as well. I want to begin by asking you a question. Who is the best neighbor on your street or your apartment complex? Once you think about where you live, your street, how long you've lived there, whether it's been a long time or just a few short months or years, and who is the best neighbor that you know? I'll tell you my favorite, uh, show of hands, that'd be great, Penny, we could take all morning and do a show of hands. I want to hear your favorite neighbor in a few minutes, okay? Let me tell you mine. My favorite neighbor is a guy named Rob. Some of you have, have met Rob. He lives behind me. He's a computer teacher at, at med school in East Nashville. He lives right behind me in Creek Hall. I met him seven years ago when we first moved in. And he's the best neighbor I've ever had. It's, it's kind of his house is on this hill, and there's a slope down to my hill. And I'll see him out there, and he'll go, hello, neighbor. <laughs> this big house, so folksy. Hello, neighbor. And he'll walk down, and he'll chat with me about all these things. And there's a little creek dividing our property, but not exactly, because technically, and he told me this, the realtor didn't tell me this, we actually own 20 feet on the other side of the creek, but he mows it for us all the time. Because he goes, you don't want to bring, you push your mower across the creek. He goes, my mower's already going downhill, it'll just keep going and it'll be fine, right? Um, he, when he's having a party, He'll call me and be like, hey, we're having a party. You want to come too? And sometimes it's been like family functions, and then he's invited me. Like one Father's Day, I think I ended up in his house. Um, and he built, I have a zip line in my yard. He got so excited about it, he built a zip line and a swing in his backyard. He was trying to keep his son from playing Fortnite so much. And he built a zip line and a swing in his backyard. But yet my kids play with it more than his kids. And my kids are always in his yard. <coughs> And he loves it, right? Uh, we'll go on trips, and I'll call him and be like, I think Amazon's bringing me a package. Can you get it? And he said, I would love to get your package and pick up your mail, right? Um, the other day, it was a belated Christmas gift. He came down. He said, I have a friend that makes his own honey, and I wanted you to have some. He gave me this big jar of, of homemade honey. And then several years back, he went on vacation, and he got sick, and he ended up in the hospital where he was on vacation, and he texted me, and he was like, hey, I'm sick, could you be praying for me? But also, could you let the other neighbors know why we're not home? Because everybody was expecting him back, like, Saturday to Saturday. So I had the task to go knock on doors and let the other neighbors know Rob is sick. And as I would knock on all the other doors, they'd be like, Rob is sick? He's the best neighbor on the street. And, like, everybody kept saying that, and I kept saying it. I wonder what they would say if I was sick. <laughs> um, who's the best neighbor on your street? And if you move, because you know when somebody moves in your street, you're like, huh, I saw the house was for someone, someone bought it. Who lived there? 
think we ever met them. But then other neighbors are like, no, I can't believe they're leaving. They're, they're the best neighbors we have. Oh, yeah, I see the Christians and Songbirds smiling because they live on the same street. So I think you would say each other, hopefully, right? We'll talk about it. Okay. So Matthew chapter 4. Let's pick up this theme. Scripture here is in your bulletin. If you want to stand with me for the reading. Matthew 4, 12 23. Feel free to join with me in the bold section if you would like. This is God's word from the Gospel of Matthew. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said to the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their tents. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. The word of the Lord you may be seen. Our service began this morning with Brian reading the prophecy from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. Matthew quotes that prophecy here. It says, the people have seen a great light. This reminds us of the rhythm in Scripture that God has come to us so that we, so that we might represent God to other people. We looked at John chapter 1 a few weeks ago. Where it says Jesus was the light of the world that came into this world. So the light has come to us so that we might be the light for others. So that we might reflect that light. Next week, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Where Jesus will more specifically say, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. And we'll talk more about what that means. <coughs> But we are sent on behalf of God to reflect God to others. And specifically in this passage, Jesus used a concept or a phrase that would have specifically meant something to them. They were fishermen. So he says, from now on, I'm going to send you out to fish for people. And this is a familiar kind of fishers of men motif that many of us have grown up around. I confess to you, though. I've sometimes been troubled by that metaphor where Jesus talks about fishing for people. It could have been some well-intentioned sermons from my childhood that got very excited about that metaphor and they started talking about what bait we should use for the fish and it talked about ways we can bait people for the gospel. It was very similar 
to kind of how I think of like used car salesmen or something, okay? How we bait people for the gospel. I didn't fish much as a child, but I remember once going fishing with my father. With one of his students, he taught at Two Rivers Middle School. I think one of his students had gone with us. I was a little child. And I remember we caught some fish, and then we were cleaning the fish, and I remember them just cutting the heads off the fish. And I'm comparing that with this Fisher's and Men thing, and I'm like, why are we catching people? How far does this metaphor go? We catch them, and then God kills them. Anyway, I, I kind of struggled with the metaphor. And perhaps you have similar baggage with kind of this fisher, fishers of people, fishing for people type of metaphor. Um, in recent years, someone, I can't remember who it was, or I would give them credit, someone suggested maybe we look at it this way, and this made a lot of sense for me. These guys were fishermen, which meant their livelihood depended on fish. Fish were the main thing that they thought about, is what they were good at. And at the end of the day, when they would talk about the amount of fish they had, that was a sign of their importance. That was a sign of whether they were good at what they were supposed to do and whether or not they could support their family. In many ways, the measuring stick of their lives and how they measured their life was fish. It was the main thing they thought about. Some of your computer programmers, you measure your success by the code you write and how successful that code is. Some of you are in business. You measure your success by how the business is doing. Is the company making money? Many of you are teachers. You measure your success by how your students are doing. Many of you are in healthcare. You measure your success by how your patients are doing. They were fishermen. They measured their success by how many fish they caught. And Jesus comes to them as if to say, I no longer want you to measure your success by how much fish you catch. I want you to measure your success for how you do with people. When they woke up in the morning, the first thing they were thinking about was fish. And as they fell asleep at night, the last thing they thought about was fish. Because their whole livelihood depended on fish. And I know that when you get in the zone on what you're doing, a lot of you are artistic, you write music, you write books. It's the main thing we think about. And that, that's good. They thought about fish. And Jesus is saying, when you wake up in the morning, I don't want you to think about fish. I want the first thing you think of to be people. When you fall asleep at night, I don't want you dreaming about fish. I want you to be dreaming about people. From now on, the measuring stick of your success in life is not your career. It's how you love people. And I remember a few years ago when someone suggested that way of looking at this fishers of men, fishers of people type of motif, I thought that made a lot of sense. Because that's what you see them do at the end of the passage. Just like that, they leave the family business. They walk away from Zebedee, and perhaps you wondered before, how did Zebedee feel about that? How can they so quickly walk away from so many things that define who they were, is because they begin to measure the success of their life by something very different. If we put this together with the neighbor theme that we see throughout Scripture, that Jesus has called us to love our neighbors as ourselves, that Jesus is the light of the world, that he has sent us to be light, and we combine this with this fishers of people motif, we're left with this. 
the great measuring stick of our success as a person, and whether or not we truly understand the gospel, is how good of a neighbor are we? Do we love our neighbor? Do our neighbors know that we love them? And when we have to leave, do they say, oh no, they're leaving? You know, like my friend said about my neighbor, Rob is sick, he's the best neighbor we have. And what do people say about us? Now, as Jesus teaches us, a neighbor is everyone that we come in contact with, every person that we encounter. So it's not just the people that we live among. Um, I heard it phrased this way. You can think of it as kind of three spheres. The people around whom you live, work, and play. And for those of you that are students, you can think of it this way, where you live, study, and play. So kind of work, school is kind of the same thing. I think it's interesting to think about those spheres of our lives, live, work, and play, and who are our neighbors in those spheres, and to just take a little inventory of those relationships. I think about where I live on Troutsville Drive over in the Creefall neighborhood about 10 minutes from here, and how I interact with my neighbors, and sometimes I feel good about it, other times I'm like, ooh, I should have been a better neighbor. A year or so ago, I was talking to one of my buddies who mows yards in the neighborhood, and he said, have you, have you checked on the lady across the street? And I said, no, I haven't, I haven't talked to her in a while. I live on a busy street. It's one of those, I talk to people on my side, but it's a busy street. I don't always get over to the other. I kind of do the wave, you know, when I'm getting the paper or the mail, kind of the wave. But I talk more to people on my side. But my buddy mows her yard, and he's like, you should, really, you should really check on her. And I remember meeting her when we first moved in seven years ago. He said, I think there's been illness. I think her husband might have passed away. And so one day I saw her at the mailbox. I was like, oh, this is my chance. So I walked over, and I said, ma'am, how are you doing? And she kind of paused for a second, and I said, I heard that your husband might have passed away. Is, is that true? Had he been sick? And, and she burst into tears, and we talked for 20 minutes. And she told me all about this little illness. Uh, they're both in their 70s. They've been married 50 years. But she told me this long illness her husband had had. And uh, it was a very long story involving their children and various things. But he had this long-suffering illness, and he had finally passed away. And now she was kind of making sense of life as a widow. And... I talked to her and was, was encouraging her and, and gave her a hug, but I couldn't help but think. I didn't know any of this. And um, I eat breakfast 60 feet from where she eats breakfast every morning. And no doubt there were times I was at home watching the big game, having a big time, and her husband's 60 feet from me and she's trying to make sense of this deep illness that he has. And I was so frustrated. How could I not put myself in a better position as a neighbor to be a blessing to her? Do we know what's going on within a hundred feet of us? Not to put pressure on ourselves or make ourselves feel guilty. But if we ever open ourselves up to the possibilities we concern ourselves with things thousands of miles away from us, and for good reasons a lot. But, do we know what's going on within a hundred feet? 
And, and I've reflected a lot on that the last year or so. So the sphere of where we live. There's also the sphere of where we work. And uh, I was really touched a couple weeks ago. One of you shared this story to me, and I, I got permission to, to share it. But they were, they were talking about they, they were at work one day, and someone who was on their team at work said, hey, after the meeting, can you hang back? I had a question I want to touch base with you about. And, and they're like, sure, I can, after the meeting, I, I can hang back. And they assumed this is work-related. This is about the project our, our team is working on. And, um, and they hung back, and they were just talking to this person, and they began to share a deeply personal situation in their life. And they, they looked at him and they said, I know that you go to church. I know that you're a Christian. And I felt comfortable sharing this with you. And, and my friend was overwhelmed, was very honored, right, by that. But just overwhelmed because, you know, you're in the work mindset. And then suddenly you're like, oh, is this a friend mindset? And you're like, what's the best way to kind of to kind of help them. Um, but he, he talked over and over again about how I assumed it was going to be a work thing, and then suddenly it was a, a personal thing, and then there was a sacredness to that moment. In the middle of the week, we're all on the clock, and yet there's a divine clock. And in that moment, the most important thing was not the project, the work, the most important thing was being there for my coworker as we were on sacred ground as they shared something so meaningful. I think our kids are sometimes better at this than we are as adults. One of the highlights of every week for me is for our Wednesday night midweek gathering. We share prayer requests. And our kids, and kids, I love this about you. If your friend at school sprains their ankle on the playground, you want the entire church to pray for it. This is me who doesn't know what's going on 60 feet from me. But yet... Sometimes there are kids that we don't even know their names, but they had a sprained ankle at school and we're praying for them. And that is a godly, blessed thing. To see those around us at work and at school, I think we have a responsibility to be a blessing to them. There's where we live, where we work, where we go to school, but then there's also where we play. And that might be you know, the reading club you're a part of, or band or theater or gymnastics practice, but it's also this idea of just kind of a third space. It's not where you work or go to school. It's not where you live. It's a third space. And uh, I'll put Spencer on the spot. He told me this story recently, and I got permission from him, him to share a thing about this third space. Um, what's your favorite Kroger to go to? Uh, he was telling me, he goes, you ever go to the Kroger or Knowlesville or Hickory Boulevard? And I was like, no, I mentioned a couple of my favorite Kroger's. This is a riveting conversation, by the way, our favorite Kroger's. Kroger is sponsoring the message. Anyway, um, but he said the reason he loves to go there is by the, the self-checkout. You know, there's always a human manning the self-checkout because even though we've seen professionals do this our entire lives, we struggle with it. Okay, so there's always a human manning it. And at this specific Kroger, the guy that's always staffing it is reading his Bible. And he has his Bible laid out. And just Spencer loves to go by and say, what you're reading today? And he'll tell him whatever scripture he's reading. And they'll just get in a nice talk. And he'll drive a little further to go to that Kroger because of the checkout. Okay? While we're on Kroger, I've got my favorite clerk over at the Melrose Kroger. I mean, you have these folks... 
your favorite teller at the bank, the grocery store, your favorite dry cleaners, and you have a rhythm with these folks. Uh, they, they're part of what makes life so enjoyable, right? And it's interesting to think about the folks we live among and then where we work, go to school, but then that third space. Folks we rub elbows with, and how might we think of them as our neighbors? So I'll end with this real briefly. You've heard us talk about the Awakened Prayer Movement. We have these packets up front and at the back. Um, last year, over 400 churches in the city of, of all stripes got together to strategically pray for the city. And you may remember there were lists of names people got who were trying to pray for people we didn't know. The focus this year is to pray for people that, that you do know. And there are over 500 churches participating in this. It starts today, and it goes to, I think it's February 23rd. It's a 30-day thing. And inside here, basically, there's some devotional resources. And there are times it takes a lot to impress me. I'm super impressed with the devotional books and the resources in here. It's good stuff. But it's taking you through a process of filling out this little grid where you think about the three spheres of your life, where you live, where you go to work or school, and then those you, you play with, or that third space type of thing, and just writing in eight names. And it can be the last name of the entire family, or it could be a specific name. And that might be the cross guard at your children's school. Joe is the cross guard at our school. Okay. Um, it might be the person at the dry cleaners, your favorite clerk, or it might be people you see in the carpool line. It might be your coworker, or whatever it is. And to think about... How could I be a good neighbor to these folks? This is not an attempt to be the Ned Flanders of your street, to make a Simpsons reference, okay? But more than that, this is a, how can I just bless people? In the passage this morning, we see that when Jesus came into someone's life, their life got better. When you come into someone's life, does their life get better? And it reminds me of someone who, probably the most significant or one of the most significant couples that Beth and I have ever known. When we first lived in Connecticut, when we were first married, Jean and Barbara were kind of the patriarch and matriarch of the church that we went to. And they had planted this church in 1961. And they had been there. Jean was the preacher, then later retired, was an elder. She was a local elementary school teacher. And so much about how Beth and I have modeled our lives is based on just this classy, godly example of Barbara and Jean. Sadly, while we lived there in 2004, Barbara passed away. Jean lived another seven or eight years. And he passed away once we already lived down here. And I was not able to go back to his funeral, but I listened to it online. And he was a great Christian leader in that area. So as you might expect, at the funeral... There were ministers from other churches that came and spoke. He was a great preacher, a great elder. There were family members. He and Barbara raised five daughters, five wonderful daughters. And, and the daughters spoke about the amazing father their dad was. But then towards the end, and I'm listening to it online, they said, uh, Mr. Glass wants to get up and say a word. I didn't know who Mr. Glass was. I'd recognize everybody else at this funeral. 
They said, Mr. Glass wants to say a few words, and, and Mr. Glass got up and he said, for 47 years, I lived across the street from Barbara and Jean. My wife and I raised three daughters, and they raised five. Together we raised eight girls, and we were neighbors for 47 years. And I've listened here today about how Jean was such a great father and husband. He was such a great preacher and elder. But I want everybody to know this. Jean and Barbara were the best neighbors I've ever had. And that's what we're called to do. And that's who we're called to be. Let us stand together and sing. <laughs> You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.